Everybody loves a good parade. And on Palm Sunday, we celebrate what's called the triumphal entry, which is when Jesus, as we just read, rides into Jerusalem. And as the African-American spiritual said, ride on King Jesus. No man can hinder you. Yet, it's really not. It's not a triumphal entry. I think it's an anti-triumphal entry. Can I explain why? I'm going to do that. Here we go. So when Matthew begins to tell us where the parade starts out, I'm not very good at geography to begin with, but I know that there's probably a reason why he wants to make sure that Jesus is coming from, from Bethpage. He's got a lot of, you know, going on in Bethany, which is in that region. Other gospels include Bethpage and Bethany. Uh, but he's kind of in that region. And then, of course, the Mount of Olives, which, you know, we're going to see in Olivet Discourse. There, there's a couple things that happen on the Mount of Olives which are important. But it's really centered towards a certain side of the city. It's the eastern side of the city. And so, Matthew wants, and I think that all the gospel writers want us to know that when Jesus begins his parade, it's going to enter in through the eastern gate of the city. Why is that important? Here's why. Because on the western gate is another parade. There's two parades happening this week. Now, on the western side, have you ever heard of a guy named Pontius Pilate? He was the governor of Judea. He's the one upon whom Jesus suffered under. We will talk about him more this week in Holy Week during the crucifixion and the suffering of Jesus. Now, Pontius Pilate, you know, would have had an office in Jerusalem. But really, he probably didn't reside there. He resided to the west, most likely in a town called Caesarea Philippi because it was a nice more coastal town. It had the nice little breeze going on. But, you know, he was getting tired of the traffic. He's getting tired of the smog. He's tired of the hipsters moving in and gentrifying the place. He's tired of the $8 cup of coffees. You know, he may have kept his condo in the city, but he's now going to live in a bedroom community outside of Jerusalem. So this is where he is. He's, he's most likely spending most of the year in this beautiful town called Caesarea Philippi. Yet, however, on a week like this week, the week that Jesus rides in is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or what we'd also know as Passover week. Again, if there was going to be any rebellion, it would have been during this week, because the story of the Passover is the story of when God delivered his people with an outstretched arm. He led them out of the bondage of oppression of slavery in Egypt out into freedom. And so in this meal, we've talked about this before, they would say, we once were slaves, but now we're free. And every time they would say that, or every time they'd remember that God set them free from oppression, they kind of, in Jesus' day, probably remembered that they've got this quasi-freedom. This freedom that, yes, they can, they can have a temple and they can do what they want to do, but yet they still have to pay taxes to Caesar. They're still living under the oppression, under the thumb of the Romans. They're really not free. So it would be during this week that if they were going to rise up and, and declare their freedom, this is the week. That's why Pilate would make sure that he would be in the city to handle business right away. It's kind of like that jail in Veterans Stadium. Remember that? Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. So they, he wants to be on site. What? 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I know my crew. Yeah. So he wants to be there. Now, he would have brought his personal guard. You know, obviously, he's got to have a guard to make sure that he's safe. But I would probably imagine, too, that he would enlist. This would be the week where they would call in just some extra soldiers and say, come on, we got to make sure that we have extra soldiers in the city of Jerusalem just to make sure that we're ready or to stop it, to, to, to stop it from the beginning. And he would come in from the western gate, from Caesarea Philippi. And he would, he would get his soldiers and they would shine their armor. They would sharpen their swords and their spears. And it would glisten in the sunlight. And they would march. You could hear the thundering of their feet. And I don't know if the soldiers would call out you know, sometimes they'd say left, left, right, left, or maybe they would sing a song. Sometimes when soldiers march, they'll sing a song. And they would make their way. You better not get in their way. They're not stopping for you. And they would thunder in, in the western gate, as a reminder, this is our city. What do you think Pilate would ride? I mean, maybe a horse. Or maybe he'd sit in a chariot pulled by multiple horses. It'd be a sign of power, reminding everybody in the city whose kingdom it really is. That's kind of triumphal. Maybe they had trumpets. Maybe they had singers that would lead the procession. That's a parade. Now on the eastern gate, what's Jesus riding? A donkey? Really? Those are little cute, weird-looking things. And so, you know, why is he doing that? Well, Matthew reminds us this is about a fulfillment of prophecy thing and points back to Zechariah. I don't know when the last time you were just hanging out with Zechariah. You're like, let me read some Zechariah. Well, here, here's the gist. Zechariah in his book talks a lot about war. And the symbol that he uses in his book is the war horse. It's very apocalyptic sounding, his prophecy, right? Because we remember it's not the four donkeys of the apocalypse, it's the what? The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Any Notre Dame fans here, right? One, one or two, one or two. So, you've, so it's this image of of, of power and strength. And, and Zechariah is again reminding everybody about the war horse and all the war that's happening. But there's going to be a king of peace. And the king of peace comes and rides not on the war horse, but on a donkey. And what does this king of peace do? The king of peace abolishes war, he ends it. And so on that day, in the Eastern Parade, everyone's taking these things, these little palm things. You know, can you imagine, I mean, honestly, can you imagine like standing next to a Roman soldier? I mean, like, what are you going to do with this? I mean, you could tickle him to death. I mean, it's, it's almost an anti-triumphal entry. Look at this thing. And there's children there. 
There's children in the parade, and you're like yelling at the parents, like, watch your kid. They're running out in the middle of the street here, and they're singing, and they're shouting, and they're throwing their jackets on the floor. I'm going to explain that on another Palm Sunday. But they're throwing their coats on the floor, and they're cutting the branches, and they're putting them on the street, and they're declaring something. They're crying out, Hosanna, which means save us. They're calling out, save us, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us. This is the king of peace that comes to abolish war. Now, I think the thing that we've got to remember is that if we're going to be in the crowd that day, or what will be our choice this morning? Do we follow the parade of power? Or do we follow the parade of peace? Now, when Jesus is king, if we're going to declare Jesus is king and understand what his kingdom is going to be about, the thing that I love so much about Matthew's gospel is there's a lot of stuff that happens between when he rides in and then when he actually fulfills, finishes this work that he's come to do on Good Friday. There's a lot that's happening. He's saying a lot of things and he's doing a lot of things. And sometimes, probably in our minds, because of, of Holy Week, we go straight from, you know, the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday and then into, you know, the upper room with Holy Communion and into Good Friday at the, at the crucifixion scene. But Matthew is going to help us understand in the following verses, in the fo- he's going to tell some stories. He's going to tell some parables, some stories about what's happening in the world and what his kingdom will look like. He's going to do some things. He goes to the temple and he overturns tables and he drives people out and he says that this temple should be a house of prayer for all nations. Yet what happens is that people have turned it into a den of robbers. And he quotes Jeremiah. And what Jeremiah was talking about is that the den of robbers is a place where people come back to. They don't rob in the den. They have a safe house in the den. So Jeremiah and Jesus picks this up when he says, you guys are living one way out there in the world. You're not only ignoring the you know, injustice, you're participating in the injustice in the world, and you want to come to my house, which should be a house of prayer for all people, and you think like that's cool? Jeremiah's like, no, no, and he says a whole lot of other like really harsh things. Jesus just calls it a den of robbers. He's trying to help people see, well, what was happening? What was the injustice that was happening in the world that Jeremiah talks about, that Jesus could probably echo, and that we still see in our world? It's the ignoring of the widow, the ignoring of the orphan, and not welcoming the stranger or the immigrant. Jeremiah, Jesus, like you got to be about that stuff. And Jesus is going to tell stories about what his kingdom will look like. And there's, there's a part in Matthew's gospel when he's telling these stories and the religious leaders of his day, they knew in their heart that he was talking about them. There's a story about a wedding banquet. There's, there's a story about how we're supposed to care for each other, about the sheep and the goats, and, and how do we know who Jesus is in our world Whenever you've seen me hungry, whenever you've seen me thirsty or naked or in prison, you visited me. 
I love our worship song today that we sang, I see a new generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith. We just celebrated that. There were, you know, students this weekend that said, you know, I'm going to go 30 hours without food because there's people around the world that don't have it. They're rising up to take their place with selfless faith. That's a sign of the kingdom when we begin to look and to see those who are hungry and we share our bread, when we see those who are naked and my second coat is actually their coat. So I give them their coat that I had in my closet. I don't need two. I need one. And if I have two, I might be wearing someone else's. So I give them so that I might clothe the naked, that I might visit those who are hurting, that are in bondage, that are still in oppression, that are in prison. So these are all the things that if we're wondering, when we say, Jesus, save us, Hosanna, save us, careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. Now, that's good news, and that's news that we've got to war with, for the king of peace rides in to do some business. To do some business, not just within the temple and the people of his day, but to do the real business that we must work on in our hearts. This king of peace helps us see the division that we have in our lives, the division in our own hearts, and we war within ourselves. Whether or not we will surrender, we war within ourselves for so many times we are drawn to the parade of power. We love the look of the shining spear and the sound and the thundering cry of power. When at the end of the day, we're called to follow this Prince of Peace and there's much of our lives, there's much of what's happening in our world that wants to drift towards the Western end and follow along with the soldiers. We don't want to, do we want to really follow the guy that's riding in on a donkey with a bunch of children? And they're singing and dancing in the streets and waving little palm branches. And we know that. We we know that Jesus is the king and he's going to declare what his kingdom is like. And it's an anti-triumphal entry in the way that we view what triumph is, what power is. With our worldly eyes, the Western parade from Caesarea Philippi with all of its soldiers and songs is often that which gets the attention of our world. And yet we must be drawn back to this Prince of Peace that in his good news comes the news that we must reflect and say, how, how am I as a religious leader, like those religious leaders that Jesus talked to that day, am I like a whitewashed tomb where I want to make everything look good on the outside, but inside there's only death in me? Or am I like the crowds that would be crying for salvation on Sunday and yet crying for his crucifixion on Friday? This is the work that we do in this holy week. And it begins with a parade. It begins with a prince of peace that comes in to abolish war, to put an end to the shining spears and the sharpened swords, to put an end to all that would draw us to the sign and the triumph of power. Peace or power. If I could have the world and all it owns, a thousand kingdoms, a thousand thrones. If all the earth were mine to hold with power, my only goal, I'd spend my gold on selfish things without the love that your life brings. Just a little bit more is all I'd need 
to life was torn from me. See, I'd rather be in the palm of your hands, rich or poor I may be, because faith can see right through the circumstance, see the forest despite my trees. Western End, Mount of Olives. Listen to the parades. You've got a palm in your hand. What prayer do you join in? Let's pray. King of peace, come and establish your way, your kingdom, your life in us. We worship you today as the king who rides triumphant, yet we know that there's work to be done in our hearts still. A surrendering, a letting go. When we are so drawn to conflict or war, let your peace reign. Let your peace come to this earth. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin in me. So ride on, King Jesus. Even us today, we don't want to hinder you. Ride on. Children of God, shout Hosanna, for he has come to save you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.